I do feel we have a group of bigs that have played pretty well together, and sometimes it's not about the one guy. It's about your other guys you're placed with. So it's not a slight against Kenneth. I think he'll help us at some point in the season. Just going to have to have patience. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be looking back at Monday's seven games in the NBA, talking about the firing of the Chicago Bulls former head coach Fred Hoiberg, looking at the injury news and previewing Tuesday's five game slate for DFS. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. All right. What a great idea that is. We will start where we always do do at this point in the show with monstrous line of the night it goes to drew holiday of the new orleans pelicans 42 minutes for drew in the narrow loss against the clippers 32 points four triples four rebounds 14 assists four steals and a block with great efficiency going 12 of 23 from the field weirdly the free throws still suck for holiday four of six from the field he is the 17th ranked player this season he could be higher, uh, except that his free throws are well down. He was at 79% last season, down to 75% this season. The, the efficiency's dropped a little bit from last year, where he was at 50, 49%. He's at 47 That's still great for a point guard, averaging 20.5 with 9 assists. And for a bloke who's playing off the ball and who's in a point guard, that's a pretty uh, steady uh, assist total. He's blocking a shit ton of shots for a guard. He's getting a high amount of steals. He's rebounding well. He has been absolutely fantastic for the New Orleans Pelicans. And for any of you who were able to draft him in the third round, you should be pretty, feeling pretty um, pretty bloody happy with the way that Drew Holiday has been performing this season. Just really rock solid consistency. In fact, over the last month, he is the 11th ranked player in fantasy, averaging 22, 5, and 9.5 and with that 1.5 steal and the block and uh, 49% shooting. Really, really strong stuff from Drew Holiday this season, continuing on what he did last year. Really, really uh, impressive what we've seen from Holiday so far. Waiver wire line of the night. That goes to Kelly Oubre Jr. of the Washington Wizards. Oubre uh, came off the bench but played 32 minutes in this game, had 21 points, including five triples, five rebounds, one assist, and the value really came in the one steal and the three blocks that Oubre had. He also shot 8 of 11 for 73% from the field. Didn't get to the free throw line at all. He is up and down. We talk about that all the time. And in general, when a big game comes from Oubre, it comes on unsustainably large shooting, which is what happened here. His two previous games, he tallied 11 points. So on uh, on 4 of 15 shooting, and then comes in today and goes 8 of 11. The blocks uh, are a little bit fluky, although he has had uh, four games this season with two blocks. So yeah, not, not crazy, but he's not a high steals or high blocks guy. He's averaging 1.1 blocks per 36 and 1.2 steals per 36 this season. The blocks are well up on last season where he was at 0.6 blocks. So an increased effort there a quarter of the season, over a quarter of the season through. So you have to think there's some level of reality there. Plus his shooting has improved from last season as well. Even though the threes have regressed, it just feels like he's never going to be a good three-point shooter. Um, at only 31.5% there, 42% overall as he's connecting on his two-pointers a little bit more. But I still don't see Ubre as a must-roster guy, more of a 14-team league guy. He is uh, yeah, up and down in terms of playing time, bench, starter, bench. 
His uh, big games and high scoring come on this high field goal percentage, which is not a consistent thing for him. So I think he's more of a 14-team league player and not really a guy who, even if he played 35 a night, I think he'd struggle to crack the top 100. Um, so yeah, such are the, the lacking areas of his game. Impressed with the increase in blocks, whether that sticks or, or not. It does remain to be seen, but not a guy that I'm looking at, despite this really strong performance as a high-priority waiver guy. There are better waiver guys out there than Kelly Oubre in the majority of formats. The deep leaguer of the night is probably someone I would actually add in 12-team leagues over Kelly Oubre, and that's Kevon Looney of the Golden State Warriors. 29 minutes as the starting center. All the Warriors beat reporters think that he is going to remain the starting center until DeMarcus Cousins returns at the very least and should be getting a fair chunk of minutes. 29 minutes, 14 points, which it's fair to say is a career high. Four rebounds, five assists, two steals, and two blocks. Remember that run he had at the end of last season where he was getting consistent blocks, consistent steals in big amounts, and really high field goal percentage? Well, he's done it again here, and that's where his value lies. Now, don't look at the seven of nine shooting. That's probably a little bit high, but maybe it's only one shot high. Maybe six of nine shooting is is a realistic target for Looney. The steals, the blocks, the field goal percentage, they can be really useful, and I think he has to be in consider. Anything 14 and above, he is a must-roster player, in my opinion, with the way the Warriors are set out at the moment, and you've got to consider him for 12-team formats. There'll be some disappointing nights, no doubt, but I think he'll be a a continuous and consistent producer in those low-volume stats, in the steals and the blocks, the ones that go a little bit hidden, as well as the field goal percentage. So I'd be looking at Looney in uh, all 14-team and up, and really, really hardly, looking at him really hardly, that's the word I'm trying to say, in 12-team formats as well as he is. uh, I I feel like he's going to be locked in as the starting center on this Golden State Warriors team. I've got to uh, tell you guys about the uh, fine people at Action Heat who are bringing you today's podcast. Action Heat, Christmas is coming up. We're only a few weeks away from Christmas, and Action Heat is a great gift for you to give to your family members, loved ones, whoever has issues feeling the cold for you guys in those cold weather climates. Over here, it's a it's a balmy, I think about 27 degrees today, which of course is uh, Celsius, which is, I don't know, 80 maybe? Maybe it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit? I don't know. I just know that it's nice and warm here, so we're not looking for it in Australia, but all you guys in those cold weather climates, Action Heat is for you. It's engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels in the clothing similar to a heated car set. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees, powered by 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. You can each also charge those batteries um, with any gadget that you've got, your phone, anything like that, while you are wearing them. They come as heated jackets, socks, gloves, and hats, and even undergarments like the heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. We've got a special deal for all listeners to Locked On Fantasy Basketball. You can save 20% off your entire order by going to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on, one word, to save 20% at checkout. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, let's go on to the next award. It is... Young Gun of the Night. And it goes to a guy that we do have to really talk about, and that is Damo Dotson of the New York Knickerbockers. Another strong game from Dotto. 24 minutes, 17 points with nine rebounds, with three triples, an assist, and a steal on very good shooting once again. 50% from the field, 50% from three. It appears that he and Alonzo Tria are sort of going to move back and forward in terms of playing time. Mario Hazonia starting and only playing under 20 minutes a night, so it's Tria and Dotson getting a lot of these minutes. 
Over the last week, Dotson is a, uh, a top twenty, uh, a top twenty-five player, averaging eighteen points with five rebounds on an astonishing sixty-three percent from the field and sixty-five percent from three. So there's going to be a significant regression. Now, I believe he can remain a high thirties, perhaps forty percent three-point shooter. I think he can be a forty-five plus field goal shooter. I don't think he can be a sixty-three and sixty-five from the field and from uh, from the uh, three-point line, respectively, type of shooter. The steal numbers are also relatively elevated for Dotson. That's not, they're not crazy high, one and a half over the last four games. There's something there that the five rebounds are solid. He gets no assist, he doesn't block shots, and the usage isn't even high, 17.6%. On This is while he's scoring 18 points per game over these last four games. So there is a huge element of flukiness about what Dotson's doing, and the shots are going in at a very high level. And when that drops off, which I guarantee you it will, um, the value is going to tumble pretty quickly. But... Yeah, for a guy that can be a points streamer who can provide above average efficiency for a shooting guard type of player who's getting steals in decent amounts and a nice three-point guy, he's a guy that when it all settles in, maybe he is the 12th best guy on your roster. Maybe he's the 13th best guy. I would say I'm fifty less than 50% confident of him being a top 120 guy for the rest of the season. I don't really see that. I think there's a chance of it. Uh, I worry about A, Fizdale's rotations and B, that efficiency really dropping off as well as the steal rate, which is significantly elevated. But I liked this guy last season. I didn't like Jeff Hornacek not playing him really at all uh, during the year. Uh, he's been used confusingly again, had that four-game stretch of DMP CDs after starting a stretch of games and putting up pretty consistent numbers. But I think we should be really looking at him as an above-average efficiency player who can be a point streamer and doesn't offer a huge amount else. But another strong performance from Damo Dotson to be the young gun of the night. I tell a man's not hot. The dud of the night goes to a rookie, and it is Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. He's had so many awards this season. Just 25 minutes for Trey. He had 20 points, so that's not too bad, but the efficiency was terrible, and all he had was three assists. No threes, no rebounds, no steals, no blocks. He was four of six from the line as well. So while the 20 points, and it's a great indication, again, of... Yeah, how points can really skew your idea of a player. 20 points is great, but then a negative in every other category, really. The three assists are about average, a little bit below, but then nothing in all those other categories makes his overall line not great. He had a 47% usage as well. So just, again, 20 points is nice, but getting 20 points is the equivalent of getting one and a half steals. It's it's It looks good because of the, the bulk volume of that category, but then providing zeros right across the board is disappointing. Young has fallen outside the top 100 for this season. In fact, he's 112th over the course of the season. The shooting is bad. You knew it was going to be bad. We're talking a negative two Z score impact in field goal percentage. 16 points, one and a half threes, seven and a half assists is nice. I think that we can still see the three-pointers go up. He's averaging under one and a half a game. That should be hitting two, two and a half realistically. And the steals at 0.7, that should be at one to 1.1. So I think he's going to get better. If he's dropped in my league, I would automatically add Trey Young, assuming that I can deal with that real negative in field goal percentage. But I would look to add him in, in any case that he gets dropped. But there are a few things that he is consistently underperforming where we think he's going to be. And that's something that uh, that needs to be corrected for his value to get to the area that we uh, that we know it can get to and that we hope it can get to. The GOATs of the night, the plus-minus GOATs, the best net rating went to Eunice Yurepko of the Golden State Warriors, a plus 137.9. You're really you know, benefiting from Draymond Green's absence. His value is going to tumble when Draymond returns, while the worst net rating went to Wes Johnson of the New Orleans Pelicans. He got some extended run in this game. Uh, each one more came back from injury but didn't play a full load. Very little to see, I think, with Wes Johnson. 
Let's look at some injuries. Devin Booker, he said he's going to be out longer than last time with the hamstring, which is three games. I'd imagine a couple of weeks there for Devin. So someone like McCall Bridges, Alia Kobo, and Josh Jackson, and Trevor Ariza, they all get boosts, and I think they all should be considered 12-team-like players. I'd look at a Kobo as the more long-term one. Jackson and Bridges are probably more short-term, although I think Bridges will jump up and be a top 100 guy at some point this season. And Ariza is just a guy, again, who is probably more a 14 than a 12-team league player. Uh, Marvin Williams is going to be out for a few games with his shoulder issue. That can give you some, uh, a slight bump to Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. But Miles Bridges is probably the biggest winner here. So he's a, a short-term, probably more 14 than 12, but some 12-team value there. And let's talk about Fred Hoiberg, who got his ass kicked to the curb by the Chicago Bulls. And I've been saying for years that Fred Hoiberg is not a good coach and he probably shouldn't be coaching this team. But this is the absolute weirdest time to fire him. It makes absolutely no sense, and they, they're claiming they're cultural, whatever bullshit there is. There's been cultural issues with this team for years. The Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo fiasco a couple of seasons ago. Your Hoiberg, the team's not winning. Yep, understandable. They've had injuries, and it's also a terribly put-together roster because of the dickheads who fired him, uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson. They created this terrible roster with players who don't want to try, hashtag Jabari Parker. Yeah, these... How, how was he supposed to work with this? He'd shown some improvements. And now, I don't think Hoiberg's a great coach, and I don't think that he really should have had this job as long as he did. But to fire him now, with Markinen returning for one game, with Chris Dunn and Bobby Porter still on their way back, and seeing how these guys go, it makes absolutely zero sense for this squad. The guys who need to be fired are Foreman and Paxson. It's as simple as that. They don't need to, they, they shouldn't be there. They make mistake after mistake after mistake. And you can tell me, oh, they hit on their, their last draft picks. You know what? They, they did. Larry Markin was a solid pick. Wendell Carter Jr. looks great. Jimmy Butler was a strong pick. Oh, that, that's true. That doesn't make them good front office executives. They lose pretty much every trade that they do. And yes, they did lose the Jimmy Butler trade, despite what's happened in the end here. They make a questionable decision after questionable decision, and this is just another one of those. Now, Jim Boylan comes in as, as the head coach here. He's made one move already, Jabari Parker, to the bench, Larry Markin, and starting. We don't know what Boylan's idea is with Parker playing at small forward. Given he's a defensive guy, I think he's going to hate it. So I think this could be a real issue for Jabari Parker and his playing time moving forward. Now, Hoiberg was always going to start Markin over, over Parker at some point. He just didn't in the first game. So it's hardly a, oh, man, finally, someone with sense. We're going to start Markin. That was always going to happen. And there's no concern with that. And I'm really watching to see Jabari Parker at the moment to see how this value goes and if Boylan has any interest in playing him at small forward. So it's either going to be a massive cut to Jabari's value or a partial cut to his value and a partial cut to Justin Holiday's. That's something we do have to wait and see over the next couple of games to see how this pans out. It doesn't I'm not really worried about Wendell Carter Jr. His defense is the best he's the best defender on this team by a considerable margin. So I don't think there's any worry there with him. You now Chris Dunn will be fine when he comes back. Portis might be in a little bit of a, a risk, but we don't really know how Boylan's going to approach that whole uh, front court rotation at this point, all we know is that Jabari has moved to the bench. So Hoiberg's gone. Again, probably should have happened a year and a half ago. The timing of this is absolute nonsense from this nonsense uh, joke of a franchise. And, uh... Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yep, had to uh, had to give you one of those. Just for, just for old time's sake with this bullshit franchise. Reggie Bullock left today's game with an ankle injury. Uh, we saw Langston Galloway start in his stead in the second half and do absolutely nothing. Luke Kennard returned from the duck. He returned from a shoulder injury today. I think he could be in line for some extra minutes if Bullock misses time. Bullock is clearly not a 12-team league player. You're well aware of that. The big injury today, though, was Gary Harris. No! 
suffered a hip injury, which then Dr. Malone, after the game, called a groin injury. Now, of course, we know Michael Malone's unimpeachable um, medical qualifications straight from Hollywood Upstairs Medical School. Uh, the last time Gary Harris got injured, the Denver Nuggets said it was an ankle injury. Malone came out and said, oh, he's hurt his Achilles. Uh, and of course, it was an ankle issue. So I don't know who we believe. We believe someone who has no idea at all about the medical side of things, or we believe the official team release. I guess we'll see. I'm going with hip, if you want to know which side of the equation I I, uh, I land on. I would say that Gaz is going to miss some time. He's had some real injury concerns this season. I'd be pretty stunned if he didn't. Malik Beasley stepped up today. Wancho Henning Gomez played well. Uh, Tory Craig started. He's not a 12-team league guy, but Beasley could be a 14-teamer, and Wancho is a clear 12-teamer at this point with both Barton and Gaz missing. And it's not that Wancho is going to play at the two. It means that guys who, like Monty Morris and Malik Beasley have to spend more of their time at that area, Jamal Murray more time at the one, uh, meaning more of those minutes open up for one show at the three, really consistent 31 to 33 minutes a night, and more touches going his way as well. So he is a, a beneficiary there. And then late in the day, the artist formerly known as Torian Prince sprained his ankle against the Golden State Warriors. The ankle's pretty swollen. Lloyd Pierce said he is going to miss some time. I would guess at least a week here for formerly. I am still holding him until we find out more information um, the big bump here, I think, is going to be DeAndre Bembry, who's you know, going to be fringe 12 term, but it's Kevin Huerta, who's really interesting. He's putting up really nice production across the other areas with almost zero usage. And with Prince out, Huerta's going to continue to start, but he should start to see some of that usage filter towards him. I think he is going to have a January onwards top 100 season. January onwards, maybe top 120. And I think you should be really looking at Huerta pretty seriously in 14. Team. Look, you should add him in 14 team leagues. And in 12 team leagues for Huerta, I think you've got to look at him pretty seriously because he's shown an ability to rebound, to get steals, to get assists, which are things that aren't necessarily easy to do. And when the usage comes, I think it's going to start to, to happen pretty soon. Um, and this injury to Prince might accelerate that. So he's definitely someone to watch there in Atlanta with formerly uh, likely to miss some time here uh, for the uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. Let's move into these games now, talk about them in more detail. There were seven of them across the NBA on Monday. The first one of those games was an absolute smashing. The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Detroit Pistons 110-83. to Steve Adams had a 21-6 with two triples and hit all, not two triples, two blocks, and hit all seven of his free throws. He was one of the worst free throw shooters in the NBA, so that's it's a nice bonus. It's also pretty fluky. And Nerlens Noel, who is having a top 150 season, had two steals and two blocks. Now, he played 20 minutes in this game because it was a blowout, but if you need steals and blocks, Noel actually can be used in 12-team leagues. Now, I wouldn't recommend adding him in every situation. It's more situational, more streaming, but when the minutes come like this, you know the numbers are going to come. That's been the story of Nerlens Noel's career. Russell Westbrook just can't shoot free throws anymore. He is worse than last season somehow. I don't get how, but he is. While Paulie George was uh, okay, although the field goal percentage was pretty terrible, 39% on 18 attempts. We had Terry Ferguson return from his ankle injury. He started, played 27 minutes. That limited Alex Abrines down to 18 minutes. MC Hamadou Diallo was also available. Stop. Have a time. Um, but he... Um, didn't play. They said he was going to be there and he's more likely to be available in the next game. That's going to hurt guys like Deontay Burton and, and Abdul Nadir who played in this game and uh, even cut some of Abrinas' minutes down. Ferguson, of course, is just a deeper league sort of a player. As for Schroeder, 25 minutes for him, 12, 9, and 6 with a steal for Big Den. 
Um, yeah, look, he's, I think he's becoming real fringy for, for 10 team leagues and 12 team leagues. I think we might get there pretty soon as well. Just depends on how they run things with Ferguson and Diallo back in town. Um, I'll probably need to talk about Detroit. I don't know why, because they were piss poor. Uh, the Shark, Bruce Brown, had three steals and two assists. Got some extra playing time in this one with Bullock injured. He is someone to watch for those assists and steals combos, but that's just a deeper league. The Duck, Luke Kennard, made his uh, return from injury. Missed all five of his shots. Had a steal. Just, just again, just a name to watch. While the Tackle Box, haven't said that. Not guy's name for a while. 12 points for John Lua in nine minutes for four rebounds. A real garbage time special for the Tackle Box. Griffin had 20 points with five rebounds, and Andre Drummond struggled. 13 and 6 in 23 minutes, had some foul trouble. It was a blowout, still can't hit free throws. It's been a massive decline from Drummond after a hot start to the season. While Stan Johnson only got 14 minutes, he's been up and down, mainly up, some down. Um, and that up and downness it probably leaves him as just a 14 team league player. Uh, he's still available in a lot of leagues, rostered in only 9% of Yahoo leagues, making him an option for 14, but definitely 16 team leagues. You can probably get him in a lot of those ones. Let's go on to the next game. Now, it was the Golden State Warriors and the Atlanta Hawks. Another blowout here. Steph Curry had 30 points in only 29 minutes with six triples, while Kevin Durant had 28, 5, and 8 with two steals. Durant shot 77% from the field, and we saw his usage, which was around 40% when Curry was out. It's down to 28 here. Clay Thompson down to 31, which was around 37 when Curry was out. Both of their numbers are going to dip down. Yurepko, who I mentioned earlier, had 12 and 5 with two triples in 24 minutes. Missed, uh, sorry, made all of his shots. But when Draymond returns, he goes back to being, say, a 20-team league player. While Andre Iguodala remains starting. Had five assists and two blocks, but again, his value doesn't really change all that much. Jordy Bell, a bigger role for him, 6-6-3 six, six, and three with a steal and a block. That's yeah, approaching 14-team league value while, uh, while Cousins is out. On the Hawks side of things, the Baptist, John Collins, had 24 and 11. He is really starting to live up to what we hoped for at the start of the season, while the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, had 6 and 10 with 4 steals and a block. Nice production. He's a must-add 14-team league guy and a a borderline 12-teamer. Jeremy Lin, this is very Charlotte Hornets, Jeremy Lin. 24 minutes, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. You can't tell me that that's not a useful 12-team performance. He's done it in Brooklyn. He's done it in Charlotte. In these limited minutes, he's a 12-team league guy, in my opinion. While Huerta, who I mentioned earlier, 10, 5, and 4, a steal and a block on 14% usage. Only took 6 shots. Didn't hit a three, um, missed both of them. This could have been a much better performance from Huerta. Um, I'm, I'm pretty pumped to see what he can do. Bembry had 11 points in 20 minutes, while uh, Kent Bazemore only three points in 19 minutes, and the, the value for him is slipping away. He can go in 10-team leagues. And when you're talking long-term vision in a 12-team format, if there's a guy out there with you know, more considerable short or long-term upside, I think I'd make that move just to make sure I get that player because I don't see Bazemore's value really increasing too much from here. The next game we look at was the Denver Nuggets. A huge win for the Nuggets on the road against the Raptors, missing Gary Harris after getting injured. Jokic was fantastic, 23-11-15. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. I believe he is a top 10 player, probably a top 7 player for the rest of the season. And if you can acquire him for anything, if you can get him for two top 50, you know, top you know, 40 to 50 ranked guys, I would do it immediately. Any any sort of 
guy that's ranked in the 20s, I'll do it immediately. I have good faith in him. While the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, 21-7-8, a huge game here. Malik Beasley, I've referenced a couple of times. Strong game from him. He is a little bit up and down in playing time and in production, but 15 points in 27 minutes, and if Gaz misses time, I think he'll be a little bit more consistent, Malik. Still probably more for slightly deeper formats. Um, but he can be maybe top 160, top 150 uh, for that short term while Gaza is out. Hernan Gomez had 15 and 5 with two steals, continues to look like the guy that I really loved in his rookie season. That uh, illness, which I think was mononucleosis that he had in his second season, which we call glandular fever over here, that really wiped that season out and it completely dicked him around. He's back at full health. Well, Paul Millsap, who I did talk about on, uh, I think I talked about on the, uh, the sh- well, for those of you who are watching a video, you can go watch my top 20 list later on. If you're listening on audio, I'm going to have the audio for that come pretty soon. So you can hear me talk about Paul Millsap, and I thought he was going to drop down. He dropped down. Six points on two of nine shooting with eight rebounds and three assists. Still still a guy to hold, but uh, yeah, not the greatest performance. On the Raptors, Pascal Siakam. Man, what is going on with this guy? 14, six, and seven assists. So not only is he a guy that never misses, he was um, seven of eight from, uh, from two-point land. Uh, he added seven assists and two steals. Continues to be fantastic. The field goal percentage is astonishing. Kyle Lowry back from his back injury. Just the five points, but 11 assists and three blocks. While Abarca had 15 and five. And the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> he had 27, eight and two. Another strong performance from uh, the fun guy. Jonas Valanciunas, I think we drop him in 10-team leagues. And he's getting close to a 12-team a drop. Not quite there with him yet, but... I think he's getting, if you, again, realistically appraise your roster, he's probably the 12th or 13th best guy on there, given the way that the rotations are currently running for the Raptors. The next game we look at, the Washington Wizards and the New York Knicks. Otto Porter, who was listed as out yesterday, actually played 32 minutes, 15 and 5, with three triples, three steals, and three blocks. He had the Chris Gale in this one. Um, six of nine from the field. So again, astonishingly low usage continues to be the problem with Porter and with the way Scott Brooks runs this team, but a big performance nonetheless. 27, eight and seven for Beal with two steals, while Johnny Wall had 18 with 15 assists. So strong games from the big names there. Markeith Morris is a must-add 12-teamer in my opinion. 18 and seven in only 24 minutes. Foul trouble limited him a little bit. Well, Saturansky got the start. He played well, but he doesn't put up big numbers. A 7% usage, 3, 2, and 3. Probably more of your 16-team ad rather than a 12-teamer. On to the Knicks. Ennis Cantor, only 25 minutes because who knows if he's going to play 40 or 24. There's no way of knowing with what Fisdale does. He still produced 13 and 16, but it's frustrating. Well, Emmanuel Moutier, and I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I think you should be looking to add Emmanuel Moutier in 12-team leagues. 16, 5, and 4, two triples, a block, 36 minutes. Trey Burke was out, and Frank Nilakina did not play. That should tell you all you need to know about how Fizdale at this moment. Now, I don't know what it's about. I don't know what makes him change his mind, but Moutier is the guy at the moment, so you've got to consider him. The blocks streaming specialist, Mitchell Robinson, had another three. Had four points in 14 minutes, but had those three blocks. That is where his value is. Timmy Hardaway had an empty 20-point line, while Courtney Lee made his season debut. Seven points in 16 minutes for Lee. I would imagine that's more to do with Burke being absent, while Kevin Knox couldn't keep up the hot form from that last game. Eight points in 28 minutes, 11 shots, nine rebounds, four assists. But I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the nine rebounds. I'm encouraged by the four assists and the one steal. He's going to be up and down. He is going to be more down than up. He's a let's stream and see what happens sort of a guy, not a must-roster guy, but someone that we pay attention to. While Alonzo Trier, who had that nice little run, now it's been switched over for Damian Dotson. He had two points in 15 minutes. You should feel pretty good about moving on in 12 or 14-team leagues for Alonzo better than Doncic Trier. Let's move on to the next 
game. We're looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers getting the victory over the Brooklyn Nets, 99-97. to Who would have thought that Tristan Thompson would have another big game? 19-14 and with two blocks. It was always on the cards against the Nets, but his minutes are through the roof, while Larry Nance played only 16 minutes. Now, Nance's line is great, 9-8 and with a triple one in those minutes, but it's the fact that he played only 16 minutes with zero fouls that is the real issue here. If he plays 27 a night, he will be a top 100 player, but there appears to be zero path to that happening, so that makes him a pretty tough guy to hold on to. Chetty Osman had 8 and 7, while Alec Burks had another 13 and 7. This is what Burks is, a scoring guy, inefficient with very little else. The 7 rebounds are nice. You can stream him for points. I wouldn't hate it if you added him in a 12 turn, but he's definitely not a priority. While Colin Sexton basically didn't play in the fourth quarter. 15 points, two assists and a steal. This is a quintessential Sexton game. 15 points, not much else happening there. I'm still holding him in 12-team formats though. Well, Jordy Clarkson out of the blue had 20 points. Took him 22 shots to get there. That's not the surprise, but the 11 rebounds and four assists are. With George Hill back, I'm probably souring a little bit on Clarko as a 12-team league guy, but not a, not a complete disaster. Another big D'Angelo Russell game, 38-6 with two steals and four triples, while Dinwiddie succeeded again. 18-3-4, four triples for Spence in the starting role. Well, my man, Rowdy Rodion's Kuroks, 14 minutes, 12 points, four rebounds, and a steal. Now, after the game, Kenny Atkinson said, we've got it. He's earned more playing time. Absolutely, he has. I think... Oh, I was going to say something bold. Is he better than Damari Carroll already? Uh, maybe. Is he better than Jared Dudley? Yes. Is he better than Rondé Hollis-Jefferson? Would I, okay, let's phrase it this way. Would I rather have Kuroks on my team than Rondé Hollis-Jefferson if I'm building for three years' time? Absolutely, I would. Now, Kuroks is a guy that I'm just going to watch at this point. I'll add him in 16-teamers. Uh, I really like him in dynasty formats, but it's going to be interesting to see how they work out. Who's going to miss out? Is he better than Alan Crabb? You guys can answer that question yourselves. I, I'm not sure where Kuroks stands, but I know that I'd rather have him than Crab, Carroll, or Hollis Jefferson uh, in terms of an asset for the next three to four seasons. So in Dynasty Leagues, I really do value Kuroks quite a lot. I think he's going to be a consistent top 100 guy at some point in his career. Really big on him. Jarrett Allen struggling a bit at the moment, 9-3 and three with a block in 32 minutes. I'm not doing anything crazy with him and dropping him. But as for Hollis Jefferson, 22 minutes, 4-5, and five, not a 10-team league player. Barely a 12-teamer, and again, if there's someone out there that's hot on the wire, an easy switch is Hollis Jefferson for Dinwiddie if that situation's available anyway. I'd consider, I'd add Looney over uh, Rondé in a lot of cases as well. I just don't see it with him. I think his upside is pretty uh, pretty limited. Let's go to the next game. We're looking at the LA Clippers beating the New Orleans Pelicans 129-126. Toby Harrison, the Rooster, Danilo Gallinari, both were fantastic. What a season this has been by Gallinari. 24 points with four assists, while Harris had 27 and six. And Lou Williams, another strong performance. Only 24 minutes for Lou, but 20 points with six assists is great. This is three strong games in a row from Avery Bradley. The Clippers as a team hit 59% of their shots. That's an astonishing amount. Um, 15 points, three rebounds, two assists, and a triple one for Bradley. That's 14-team valuable, and it's getting fringy for 12-teamers. I'm just keeping an eye there. While Gilgis Alexander struggled 7-2-2 two, and two in only 23 minutes for Shea. If he's dropped, I'm adding him. Examples from earlier on, if I've got Kent Bazemore and someone drops Gildas Alexander, that's a very easy switch for me. Bazemore gone, Shea onto my team. But it has been a struggle the last two games. And if you're looking to acquire the table Montrez Harrell, you are punting free throws. Four of nine from the line here. He started off pretty strong from that free throw stripe, but has really, really struggled, or more to the point, reverted back to what he used to be as a player, and it is you know, impacting his overall rank. And you see over the last two weeks, he's the 149th ranked player 
averaging 19 and 8 with 1.3 blocks on 63% shooting. He shouldn't be. It's just that the Z score for free throws is a negative 5.33. That is an astonishingly low uh, number. That is like Dwight Howard, Andre Drummond, DeAndre Jordan type numbers from free throws. So if you are acquiring him, you are punting free throws and you need to be aware of the impact that he is going to have on your team. Because even if you're, oh, I've got a strong team, I can probably deal with it. You probably can't with the way that he is, how many times he's getting to the line and how often he is missing. Now, he is still over 62, uh, 62% on the season, which is pretty good, but he gets the line so often, but of, of late, he just can't hit these free throws. And it, it, is, it, is, a legitimate, it is a legitimate worry if you're looking to... Um, if you're looking to get him on your team, because he is uh, he's struggling in a pretty strong way at the moment, and and it is a, it is a real impact, and it's going to impact his overall ranking numbers on sites like Basketball Monster, of course. For the Pelicans, Tone Davis just huge again, 23, 13, and five with three steals and three blocks. That and someone did ask me, and I should have done this earlier to give the top three for all the awards. Um, I should have done that, but uh, Davis was number two behind Drew Holiday in the monstrous today. While Julius Randle started in place of Nikola Mirotic, 37 and eight with four assists. No steals and no blocks and struggled from the line, but a big performance from him. Well, Timmy Frazier, all he is is an assists streamer. Four assists, seven points in 29 minutes. Solomon Hill got an extra boost with each one more, only playing 20 minutes. You can piss more off in 10, 12 team leagues. 14 teamer, I'd probably hold on to him just at this point. Let's go on to the last game of the day. It's the Houston Rockets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. What a comeback from Minnesota, who were down about 16 in the third quarter and ended up winning by 12. Capella, just a monster again, hit both his free throws, but 24 and 8, 3 assists and 3 blocks, 38 minutes, just absolutely killing it at the moment. Jimmy Harden had 29, 4 and 8, while Chris Paul, a terrible offensive game, 5 points on 8 shots, but 3 rebounds, 7 assists and 3 steals. Helps uh, preserve his value. The Eric Gordon... Um, uh, not impact, it's the Chris Paul impact with Paul and Harden there, Gordon struggles. 10 points, two assists, uh, a steal and a block. That's fine. In a 10-team league, I would drop him. And in a 12-team league, I, I would watch it pretty closely. Well, Daniel House seems to have replaced uh, the Comet Gary Clark in the rotation. House had six points in his 12 minutes and Nene played the 10 minutes backing up Clint Capella. For the Wolves, Townsie had 24 and 11 with three steals and a block. And my man, Bob Cove, he, uh, he had the Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. 13 and six with two threes, two steals, and two blocks as he continues to be excellent. Also, a big game from Taj Gibson. 15 and 11 with three assists in 27 minutes. I'm not buying it as any sort of 12 team resurgence. There's going to be ups and downs as him and Dario Sharic share those 48 powerful minutes. Sharic had 12 points in 21 minutes. He's still rostered in 70% of Yahoo leagues. That is an astonishingly high amount. He needs to be dropped in those. While Derek Rose, it turns out maybe he isn't the best shooter of all time. Zero points on 0 of 4 shooting, and a, a weird 9% usage for Rose, three rebounds, five assists, and his typical no steals, no blocks. We're not dropping him, of course, but the shooting seemed ridiculously high, and it was going to drop. It made me look dumb for the first 25 games of the season. But I think we're going to see some uh, some empty alliance coming from Rose at some point. Of course, we are still holding him, but just just be aware that that shooting was probably never going to stick. And uh, this is obviously the extreme example of that as it uh, as it drops right off um, drops right off in uh, in this one. Hey guys, let's take a look now at the top 20 players in fantasy basketball over the last two weeks. Of course, this is on a per game basis, looking at the standard eight categories across fantasy basketball. The number one player over that time frame is Kevin Durant, who is uh, who has played 39 minutes per game. Only one of those games with a, was alongside Steph Curry. So you can expect these numbers to come down. He's averaging 39 points, 
10 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 2.5 threes, 2 blocks, shooting 53 and 95%. An absolute monster couple of weeks for Kevin Durant. But as we saw, even in that first game back with Steph against the Pistons, Durant's numbers did drop back down. So you can see him you know, going back to that number 3 to 5 type of range rather than being right up the top here. The next two guys, Anthony Davis at number two and Jim Harden at number three. No one's surprised there. Davis averaging 29.5, 13.5, and 4.5 with two steals and two and a half blocks, which would be the number one player in pretty much any other two-week period outside of Kevin Durant's big performance. And then Jim Harden, who, again, his numbers averaging 35, 6.5, and, and 11 with two steals and four and a half threes. That would also be the number one performance in generally any sort of two-week period. So those three guys are just significantly ahead of everybody else. In terms of looking at their overall you know, Z-score value for that time, Durant's at a 1.94, Davis at 1.82, and Harden at 1.81. And then the next guy is Yanni Atadokumpo at one. So that is a huge, huge difference. Antetokounmpo comes in at number four, averaging 31.5 points with 14 rebounds. Brook Lopez is really helping him in terms of getting rebounds. Seven assists, two steals, and a block with 62% from the field. But of course, the thing that's always dragging him down are the free throws. 71% from the line, which you might say isn't terrible, and it's not. League average is about 78%, so it's significantly below that. But he's taking 11 attempts per game, which puts him at a negative 2 Z score for that category. If you do go into the punt free throw type uh, rankings, which of course you can do on basketballmonster.com, Yanni rises to the number 2 overall player just behind Anthony Davis over these last two weeks. But he is starting to get his shit together. It's a slower start for under the Kumpo, but those free throws are a real concern. You're basically going to be losing that category most weeks that you have him in your lineup. The number five player, I think, would be a surprise, as would number six. Clint Capella in at number five, averaging 21 and 13 and a half with over three blocks on 72% shooting. They are big numbers. Now, the thing that really illustrates the importance of volume in the percentage categories, his negative impact on free throws is much less than what under the Kumpo's is. In fact, under the Kumpo's negative free free throw percentage uh, impact is double what Capella's is. Capella shoots 67, Antetokounmpo shoots 71%. So Yanni's the better shooter, but because he takes almost four times as many attempts, he is a bigger burden on your free throw percentage. So that, that is important to note when looking at these uh, you know, these things. It's not all just about percentage. It's about volume as well. Capella, at some point, is going to not play 36 minutes a night. I, was, I would expect Nene is back. Not that Nene is all that great, but I don't think that Clint will keep this level up. But he could, he could very easily remain a top 20 player. Marcus Sol, another surprise at number six. 39 minutes a game over his last seven, 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, two and a half blocks, one and a half steals, elite efficiency, struggled in his last game. Uh, but prior to that, he'd been putting up really, really good numbers. I think in the top 10 is, is a stretch for Gasol, top 20 maybe. As we move on for the rest of the season, it's all going to depend on that efficiency, which was quite down last season, but it's taken a big jump up. Number seven is another big man, Nikola Vucevic of the Orlando Magic, averaging 22.5 points with 12.5 boards, hitting over a three, four and a half assists, almost a steal, and a block on 55 and 91. And with all these big men in the, in the top seven here, outside of Capella, they're all averaging a lot of assists. Uh, Davis, 4.6. Gasol 4.1, Vucevic 4.5. So that is becoming a really important factor for big men to rise up the fantasy basketball rankings. Clint Capella is not there with his 1.3 assists. 
But those other guys are all distributing the ball at, at pretty decent levels. Uh, and the steals as well, 1.4 for Gasol, uh, 2 for Davis, and 0.8 for, for Vucevic, along with their elite efficiency numbers. I do think that Vucevic is going to drop down. I am uh, less and less sure that he is going to be traded. And I don't think that if he remains on Orlando, that his minutes w- will drop. I don't think that it'll be a case of, oh, oh well, uh, now it's time to give Mo Bamba the role. I think the Vucevic role, as long as he stays in Orlando, which I think is becoming more and more likely, will remain. Only one game for Steph Curry over the last two weeks, but it was good enough to put him at number eight. He had 27-5-3 and three with two steals in that game. He will uh, he will hover in this you know, three-to-seven type range for the rest of the season. Very little to talk about there, but at least he's back, and he played 37 minutes in his first, uh, first game back from that groin injury. Mike Conley at number nine, another really surprised guy in the top 10. 25.5 points with four rebounds and eight and a half assists, three threes and, and over a steal per game. He was a guy that used to get two steals per game, but that's really dropped off. I took Conley in a ton of leagues this season. I was really big on him bouncing back. I was able to get him in the 50s and 60s in some drafts, 40s in some others, and he has clearly repaid that. Doesn't look to be bothered at all by that heel issue that cost him all of last season. He is really rolling, and nothing about that line that Conley's putting up, maybe the 31% usage, but there's no other usage hogs on this team. 25, 4, and 8.5 and with a steal on 45 and 87, including 41% from three. Maybe you say, okay, the usage at 31% is a bit high. The 8.5 assists are a bit high. But nothing else is extraordinarily you know, crazy there to think that there's going to be a huge drop-off from Conley. I don't think he'll be a top 10 player. But I think he's going to you know, really solidify himself as that second round, maybe start of the third round type of a player. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard, comes in at number 10, averaging 27, 8.5, and 2.7. He's still got really big scope to improve his assist, but I just don't think it's happening in Toronto. We saw that start to blossom a little bit in San Antonio, but it hasn't really carried uh, north of the border. So maybe we should, I guess, uh, temper our expectations there, but he has been really strong. Well, Russell Westbrook is number 11, 22, 12, and 11, averaging the triple-double over the last six games. 1.83s and 1.8 steals. The free throws, there's still an issue. 63% for Westbrook on five attempts. This is two years in a row where he just cannot shoot the free throws. It's very, very confusing that he just has lost that ability. I don't know what it is. And at this point, I think we just have to assume that he's just going to be bad at that category. It's weird. Rounding out the top 12, Damian Lillard, 37 minutes over the last seven games, 28-4 and 6.7 assists, almost four triples over a steal, 44 and 83. And those numbers, they're realistic for Lillard. So this is about his range and that's about his level of production, nothing up or down there. A guy who is a real surprise is Paul Millsap. I was pretty down on Millsap hitting into this season and he started off quite shaky. In only 28 minutes a night, he is averaging 16 points, eight rebounds, two assists, 2.2 steals and 1.2 blocks on 60 and 79%. He was named the Western Conference Player of the Week as well. Kawhi won the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. There are a few things there with Millsap which are unsustainable. He's shooting 46% on threes. 2.2 steals in 28 minutes is unrealistic. 1.2 blocks, maybe that's a bit high. And there's 60% overall from the field. And even the 79% from the line, these are all numbers which I expect to drop for Millsap. So it's great performance here, but I think he's going to have a pretty significant tumble down the ranks and he would be a, a nice sell-high type of a player. Kyrie's at 14, averaging 22, four and a half and eight with two steals. His steals are up this season. That seems to be a real thing. This is a relatively consistent-ish type performance from Kyrie. And the biggest surprise in this whole list, the only bloke who is rostered in under 80% of leagues is Damo Dotson of the New York Knicks. And this is as fluky as it gets. 27 minutes for Dotson, 18 points with three triples, 3.3 rebounds, 0.3 assists, 1.7 steals. And he is shooting 68% from the field, including 71% from three. 
He is a negative in rebounds, assists, and blocks, and his value is coming from the high steals, which are fluky, the high threes, which at 71% are fluky, the really high field goal percentage, which at 68% is nonsense. This guy was literally out of the rotation three games ago. He is absolutely fine to add in a 12-team league, but he is not this guy, so don't expect this. Number 16 is Joel Embiid, 25, 15, and 3, with all with half a put me, not like I say half, 0.7 steals, one and a half blocks, just you know, pretty rock solid there. He's got some room to improve though from that area. Paulie George at 17, doing what he does, 22, 7 and a half and 4, has dropped off with Westbrook back to be expected, and the efficiency at 42 is, is not that great. Townsy at number 18, 22 and a half points, 11 rebounds for Carl Anthony Towns, 2.7 assists, which can improve, and his blocks have really dropped, just half a block over the last two weeks. That was really up at the start of the season. Since General Soreness has gone, his block numbers have decreased. That's the difference between him being the 18th ranked player and being the 5th ranked player, getting to three and a half assists and getting to one and a half blocks if he can do both of those things, because the efficiency is back, not quite the same, 50%. He was like a 56 guy last year. There's, so there is significant room for improvement for Towns, and I'd be counting on at least two of those three things improving. Number 19 is Bob Covington of the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. 15 points, two and a half threes, seven rebounds, a paltry 0.8 assists, but almost three steals and a block, and he's doing it while shooting 39.5% from the field. This is just Pete Covington. It's just amped up in Minnesota because he's playing an additional three minutes per game. The steals are obviously high and they can probably reduce, but the other numbers are just really in line with what we've seen from Covington over the last couple of years. He is a legit fantasy basketball stud and a top 40 finish is not unrealistic. And rounding out the top 20 is the former Minnesota Timberwolf, General Soreness, Jimmy Butler. A lot of people are looking at him, oh man, what am I going to do with Butler in Philly? He's struggling. He's still the 20th ranked player, so I don't know what more you're expecting from him. Yes, 17.7 17.7 points aren't ideal, and it's because he's just not getting as many offensive touches. That, and this how just shows how points rule everybody's thought process. Oh, man, he's struggling. He can't get points. Oh, he's killing it. He's getting points. But Butler is still the 20th ranked guy. 17.7 points, one and a half threes, five rebounds, 2.3 assists, 2.3 steals, 0.6 blocks, 45 and 93. And the thing you're seeing drop here is the usage, it's the scoring, and also the assist rate, which are all things that we thought would happen, especially the assists playing alongside Simmons, but still being able to maintain top 20 value by those steal numbers. Now, steals can be fluky, so if that drops to 1.7, then he could have a 20, 25 spot four, and that's fair enough. But I also think that the scoring, the uh, he's only doing it in 31 and a half minutes as well, because the Sixers have been absolutely kicking everyone ass. So I think that there's room for that to uh, to improve as well. The playing time, the scoring, and the assists can all go up. So I'm not really panicking on Butler. I'd look at him probably more as a third-round guy than a second-round guy at this point on his new team. That'll wrap it up for the top 20 players in fantasy basketball over the last two weeks. Guys, make sure you're subscribing. Hit that, uh, hit that subscribe and uh, the bell notification below. See ya. All right, let's, uh, let's go on now and look at the uh, the perfect lineups across DFS for uh, for Monday's action, we'll start with DraftKings: Drew Holiday and Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Oubre and Julius Randle, Nick Jokic, D'Angelo Russell, Taj Gibson, and the Baptist John Collins. That totaled four hundred and eight point two five and cost forty nine thousand eight hundred dollars. On Fangio, your uh, perfect lineup had Manny Moutier at twenty seven, Jezalin. At 31.5, D'Angelo Russell, Drew Holiday, Kelly Oubre, Darius Miller, what? Tone Davis, Taj Gibson, and Nikola Jokic for a total of 406.1, and that costs the full $60,000 redos.
All right, let's look at the first game for Tuesday, and it is the Chicago Bulls under new coach Jim Boylan taking on the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are favored by eight and a half points, and the total is 208.5. We've seen, you know, over the course of many sports and over history, teams getting their new coach can sometimes get a bit of a bump in that first game. This Bulls team's bad enough, though, that I'm not sure it's going to necessarily matter. Although Jim Boylan has made one change already, Lowry Markinen back into the starting lineup at the expense of Jabari Parker. It's not that Hoiberg wasn't going to do that. He was going to do that. He just uh, played Markinen off the bench in that first game, which I think was fair enough. But uh, Markinen will be back starting in this game with Jabari coming off the bench. We're going to be looking at today's games with more of a focus on DraftKings. Still highlighting some FanDuel information as well. Of course, Victor Oladipo remains sidelined for the Indiana Pacers. At point guard, you got Corey Joseph at 4,300, who doesn't have a huge amount of upside, I don't think, but has relatively solid floor, a 22 to 24 point floor, which is, which is okay for cash, but I don't really ever see him going all that big, although he has had a 38 point game in the last five, which is strong. Saki Levine at 8,400, uh, a relatively strong floor and uh, and ceiling sort of a guy, so I do like him for both formats, while Ryan Archer Jackano at 4,000. He's had some big games, a 46 pointer, he's had an 8 pointer, and these are all while playing over 30 minutes. So he's very much up and down, very inconsistent, more of a tournament guy. And then you've got uh, Big Shaq Harrison. Big Shaq. Um, Aaron Holiday, uh, Daz Collison. I think Daz Collison's worth looking at 6,300. It's a pretty significant price bump from the last time. He is averaging 36 over the last three, and with Oladipo out, he's worth looking at, as is Tyreek Evans, who's one of your shooting guard small forward players. 5,200 for Tyreek. He's giving us a, a safe floor of 20. He hasn't really exploded yet, but this is the opportunity against this sort of opponent that I think we could see a 35-point game coming from Tyreek Evans. Boyan Bogdanovich at 56 is relatively solid as a floor guy as well without Oladipo. While the 5400 you have to spend on Justin Holiday, his performances have been a little bit down. I still think he's got enough upside, but I'll probably look at him more as more as a tournament guy. The Deuce Young's at 4700, not really feeling super interested there, although it is a strong matchup for him. Power forwards have done quite well against the Chicago Bulls uh, recently, so I think that that's uh, that's something to, to pay uh, attention to with uh, with Thaddeuce. And then we go to other wings like Jabari Parker at 67. Now, Parker could still get some minutes at small forward, which could impact Justin Holiday, but he'd been really rolling at the moment. I think we can only be relying upon Parker as a, uh, as a GPP guy. We just don't know how Boylan's going to use him now that he's coming off the bench. Dougie McDirt in a revenge game at minimum salary for McDirt. He'd put up a, a few strong performances in a row. I'm not really going to be looking at him. Larry Markin, I love this price, 5,400. He had 20 in his season debut in 26 minutes. 5,400, he should be able to eclipse that pretty comfortably. I'm in on him. The other big men, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., the Block Panther, he's at 4,800. It really is all just going to come down to foul trouble. Centers have struggled against the Indiana Pacers, so that's worth bearing in mind, but I love that price a lot, while centers against the Bulls have killed it. So you've got Miles Turner at 61 and DeMontis Sabonis at 7,200. Turner's coming off a 42-pointer. Sabonis struggled a bit. I think both of these guys are absolutely 100% in play in this matchup on DraftKings. If we look over on Fangio, I like Tyreek at 53. I like Carter at 5,800. That's more tournamenty though. Lowry's at 6,200. That might be marginally too high. They've bumped him up by 2,700 Fangio. So obviously getting pretty aggressive there. I like Thaddeus. I like Boyan as well. While uh, much like on DraftKings, Corey Joseph is a solid enough cash play with pretty limited upside. 8,400 for Zach Levine is not is not uh, outrageous, I don't think. I think the 73 for Jabari Parker is Probably just a little bit too high for him, given we don't know how that role is going to play out. 
The next game we take a look at is the Battle of Florida, the Orlando Magic uh, versing, versing? Oh, I can't believe I said that. I hate that word. The Orlando Magic taking on the Miami Heat. The Heat are favored by two and a half, and the total is 207.5. The Heat are starting to look a bit better. The Magic coming back after that West Coast road trip where they played well, but didn't get the results that they wanted to. DJ Augustine is a $4,500 player. He's about a 25-point guy most nights. I do like him here. Solid value for him. For the Heat, uh, the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic is out. Scooter Magruder is questionable, while Jim Johnson, Tyler Johnson, and Derek Jones are all probable. Of course, Tyler Jones has missed the last couple of games with a hamstring injury. Him returning would squash some of the value that Dwayne Wade's been putting up recently. Um, so there's, there is some impact there, I guess. Uh, Justice Winslow's at 41. Not with that. Look, if Magruder's out, I'd consider a tournament for Winslow, but that's probably about it. While Wade, who's averaging 34 points over his last five games, is at 5,500. The Tyler Johnson scenario is a little bit uh, a little bit confusing for how Wade's going to be used, but if, if Magruder's out, I'm more in on Wade. But I still think he should be considered in all types of lineups. For the Wings, Evan Fournier is at 5,300, has been struggling lately, but I do like that price and I like the opportunity here. His average 28 over the last three against the Heat in only 28 minutes, so a point per minute guy. I like Joshie Richardson at 7,000, while Johnny Simmons at 35 will likely start again for the Magic, but that's really just a tournament guy. He hasn't really produced much, while Terry Ross has been the guy putting up the numbers, averaging over 30 points in his last three contests at $5,000. Um, I think he's okay. I'm not super interested in him, though. Uh, more wing players. Jim Johnson at 3,700. He's getting like exactly 19 minutes a night, and that's not enough for me to get excited. While Aaron Gordon at 6,900 has been okay-ish, but the last three times against Miami, he's averaged 47 points at that sub-7,000 price. Sometimes Gordon's an $8,000 guy. I really like him at a $6,900 price tag. And then let's look at the Duke Wayne Ellington. I should have mentioned him, 4,600. Really strong value, especially if Magruder is out. Um, for the big men, Johnny Isaac's at 43. I don't think I'm getting in there. Whiteside, who knows? We're going to get 10-point Whiteside or 60-point Whiteside. That makes him a tournament guy, but that's really it. And Kelly Olynyk's had three games in a row with 20-plus minutes and big performances, but I don't know how that's going to work with Tyler Johnson back. If Magruder's out, I'd feel more comfortable about using Olynyk, but I'm still not ready to, to trust him in any cash situation. 4,300 for Adebayo, I'll probably pass on. Mo Bumba, the same one. $9,000 for Nikola Vucevic. Vuce has been putting up you know, huge numbers, and I don't really think there's any reason to completely go away from him in this one against the Heat. I think he's a, a relatively strong play. Over on Fangel, I like Fournier and Joshie Richardson quite a bit. Johnny Simmons at 39 is that tournament guy, and Vuce at 9,700 again, putting up the big numbers uh, recently. Doesn't seem like there's many people who have much of a much of a hope, which is weird, of being able to stop Nikola Vucevic at this point in the season. The next game is the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks. Almost half the Dallas team is listed as questionable. Dennis Smith Jr., Salah, Mejri, JJ Barea, Dwight Powell, Luka Doncic, and Maxi Kleber are all listed as questionable. So there is so much that can change with this Dallas uh, lineup. So a, a lot of what we're talking about here probably isn't even going to. Um, yeah, there's going to be. I think the majority of these guys are going to play. The only one I'm questionable on here is Kleber, who has missed. And they're, obviously, they're all questionable. I think Kleber's probably the only one that sits out. Uh, but of course, they're listed questionable for a reason. Evan Turner for Portland has been upgraded too probable uh, after missing uh, last game with that Achilles issue. 
Let's have a look on uh, on DraftKings with these guys. Doncic at 7,000. If Doncic plays, I, I really into him at that salary. But if he is out, then the 5,500 for Dennis. Actually, Dennis Smith at 5,500 is pretty strong. He's putting up good numbers. He's averaging 42 against the Blazers when he's played them in the past. I think that at 5,500, Dennis Smith is someone you should look at. 7,100 for CJ McCollum. I think it's $500 too high. So he is uh, probably a fade to me. While Lillard at 9,800 win. This is a slate when there aren't a huge amount of bona fide studs out there. Getting Lillard in at 98 is going to be your stud guy on most sites and in most formats. I like him for that reason. JJ Barea also putting up consistently big numbers, averaging 32 over his last five. And at 5,100, you'll take 32 every day of the week. There are a few ups and downs. He's also questionable. We could have Doncic, we could have Smith out. I think that's a great option um, as a tournament guy. And then if we hear ins and outs of those other guys, he could be a very, very strong cash player. Of course, he could be ruled out himself. Seth Curry going up against his former team. He's a minimum salary player. I don't mind him as a GPP guy. I'm not super into it, though. I do like Wesley Matthews at 4,700. He dropped 29 last game. His value gets boosted if Doncic happens to be out. Evan Turner at 4,000 is a fade, uh, in my opinion. Let's look at some of the wing players here. Mo Harkless had 29 points at 3,700, and that's obviously some really, really strong, um, some really strong value. But will he be able to do that if Turner plays? I have my doubts with Harkless, so it'd only be tournaments. While well, the chief, Al Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Well, he was great last game. He had 38 points in that one. Of course, you can only rely on Aminu as a GPP guy, while the pencil Harrison Barnes is stringing together some pretty strong performances. He's at 6,600. I'd feel good about him in cash if Doncic is out. If Doncic plays, I feel okay about him, but not as strong. And then for the big men, I love Nurkic here at 7,400, and him going up against DeAndre Jordan at 7,300. I would take Nurk over over Jordan, but Jordan is coming off a 54-point game against the Clippers. I still would have Nurkic over him, but some value with both of those guys. Zach Collins, Myers Leonard, not a lot to see there. Same with Kleber and Dwighty Powell on the Mavericks side of things. On Fangio, Doncic, Wes Matthews, I think they're both really good cash plays, assuming that Doncic plays. I like Lillard a lot at 9,900, Smith at 5,900, and CJ McCollum, given the relative pricing of other guys, he looks a little bit better on Fangio than what he does over on uh, over on um, DraftKings. All right, let's move on to the next game now. We're looking at the San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz. Um the uh, what's the uh, spread here? The Jazz are favoured by six, and the total is two hundred and fourteen and a half. Derek White's an interesting one to watch. He's had a couple of big games in a row: one in a blowout loss, one in a in a uh, not so much of a blowout. So he's a, a name to watch coming off the bench in those last couple of games. The Jazz looking to get things back on track. Marco Bellinelli missed last game. He is probable for the San Antonio Spurs. Ravishing Rick Rubio. He's at 6,200, Rubio. He has averaged 43 against the Spurs the last three times out. He dropped 40 last game. I'm happy to use him at that sort of a salary. Well, Derek White at 4,200. He's probably just a tournament guy, uh, given the, the Jazz's defensive prowess against uh, against point guards. There's been a, a reductive effect on opposition point guards and the fact that we just don't know what role he's going to play under Popovich, but he's been solid lately. I love Don Mitchell here at 7,900. He averaged 50 against the Spurs in the games that he has played against them in his career. Brittany Forbes, Paddy Mills, nothing to see with those guys. Jingle and Joe's at 51. I think that's just way too low for Ingles. He is in a bit of a slump. but still averaging 26 over the last five. He's got clear 40-point upside. Uh, I really love that price for Ingles. 
you got Kyle Corver at 34, which doesn't really need uh, looking at too much. While DeMar DeRozan at 8,300. He had 57 last game. I think that's pretty rock solid for DeMar, for Cash, and there is tournament upside with him as well. On the wings again, Jay Crowder at 5,000. He started last game. He had 31 in 34 minutes. It doesn't change too much for him whether he's starting or not, but I do like that price tag for Crowder. So I would consider him. Royce O'Neal, not really. Rudy Gay at 55 is probably a little bit high. I'd take Crowder at the 5,000 over the 55 for Rudy Gay pretty comfortably. Uh, Bellinelli and Cunningham, not really worth paying too much attention to. For the big men, LaMarcus Aldridge, 7,600, got back on track last game. He is averaging 33 over the last five, which isn't quite enough. A good record against Utah. I'm hesitant to recommend him as a cash guy. I think he's more tournament, just with the up and downness of his play. Derek Favors at 4,400. I'd leave that alone. While Gobert at 86 has really struggled in the past against the San Antonio Spurs. He's putting up some big numbers lately, though, averaging 47 over the last five. So I'd use him, but there'd still be a little bit of caution in recommending him. While Davis Bertans started last game, he's at 3,500. Um, more of a GPP guy, but even then, very, very low on the priority list. Over on Fangio, uh, I like Rubio, I like Crowder, Ingles, and Mitchell. They're more GPP guys, but still looking pretty strong. Rudy Gay comes in a lot stronger on Fangio than he does on DraftKings, and Aldridge at 8,000, also a lot more appealing over on uh, Fangio. 47 for, for Derek White as well remains a similar sort of play as what it was over on DraftKings. The last game of the night is the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns. The Kings are favored by six and a half, and the total is 226. Uh, Devin Booker is out. He's, as as we've said, he's going to be out for at least, I'd say, a week or so, probably looking at a couple. And then uh, TJ Warren is listed as doubtful. Marvin Bagley didn't practice today. He's uh, going to be a game-time decision. At point guard, we're looking at Ali Okobo at 4,400. He should start. Look, he struggled last game, so I think people will be hesitant to use him. I'm back on board with him. I think a 25 to 30-point performance is a, is not really even, even aiming that high for him. While well, De'Aaron Fox at 7,500, absolutely love Fox in this matchup. Jamal Crawford, the other point guard on the board, not doing it for me. Love Bogdan Bogdanovich as well, 15 15, 5,800 for Bogdan. He is averaging 37 over the last five, continues to be underpriced. Budrick Heald at 6,000. I think that's a fade. Iman Shumpert, not interested there, nor Troy Williams or DeAnthony Melton. The small forwards is where it's at here for Phoenix. Joshy Jackson at 5,300, averaging 31 over the last three. Booker and Warren out really open things up for Jackson. I think he is a must-roster cash, cash guy. Well, the 3,800 from McCall Bridges, he had 24 points last game. He's going to play 30-plus minutes, and I think with Booker and Warren out, usage will come his way, and I like both of those guys. I could envisage Jackson, Okobo, and Bridges all being must-roster guys, probably not in the same lineup, but I think they're all in, um, I think they're all in, uh, in, in pretty solid spots here. Um, Trevor Ariza at 57, he exceeded that value last game, 38 points. I'd have him prioritize behind those other guys, but still has tremendous value in this matchup. Well, Nemanja Bielitsa at 3,900. He did have 24 points last game, but still only got 20 minutes, even with Bagley sidelined. But if Bagley's out, I'd be happy to use Nemanja in this one. For the big man, uh, DeAndre Ayton's at 6,500, not really getting to that level of late. I think I'd fade him, whereas big men against the Suns have done very well. So Willie Cauley-Stein at 6,400 is 100% in play, like him for cash and for tournaments, while Rashawn Holmes is putting up big numbers. He's at 3,800, averaging 24 over the last five games. He gets more running blowouts, and when Aiton struggles, that could be the case again. I think he's a very strong GPP guy, um, but I'm not confident in his floor for cash, given the, the minutes. 
Ryan Anderson, Costa Kufos, two guys who shouldn't be in NBA games, but they will probably get minutes in this one as Dave Yeager decided not to play Harry Giles in the last one, even with Bagley out, so that Kufos could get those all-important minutes. Over on FanDuel, I like there's a ton of guys I like here. Jackson, Okobo, Bridges, Aiton, Cauley-Stein, Bogdanovich, Heald, Bagley, and Fox all have tremendous value. This is the stack game to me. Um, with value opening up right across the board with the Booker and Warren injured. I think you can get some uh, some great value over there on FanDuel and on DraftKings, of course. Let's go through my studs and, uh, and values. On DraftKings, Lillard at 9,800 is the stud that I really like, and the value play is Jingle and Joe at 51. On FanDuel, we're looking at Zachy Levine as the stud at 8,400, and the value is Tyreek at 53. On Yahoo, my stud is Lillard at 43. There just really aren't any high price guys on Yahoo at all. And my value is Joshy Jackson at $12. And on Draft Stars, the stud is Damian Lillard, 16,970. And the value play is McCall Bridges at 5,750. That'll wrap it up for today's show, guys. Go subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Stitcher, or on Spotify and on YouTube. Leave a comment, leave a thumbs up, uh, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live, make sure you are leaving that review. It would be fantastic if you could help the show out that way. And follow the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net and me at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Kenny Atkinson.